see you guys here this morning. We're going to finish this series that's titled Ambassador. If you were here last week, we took a little boat ride with Paul. Anybody here? Anybody here for that boat ride last week? That was an awesome, that was an awesome ride, wasn't it? Well, you'll be glad to know that Paul has arrived safely to his destination, and we're going to today uh, follow him uh, in, we're going to spend a day with him in the fine accommodations that Caesar put him up in. He was on his way to, to stand trial in front of Caesar, and Caesar's put him up in a really nice place. If you will, I think you, Pam's asked you to pull out your notes here and also open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. But letter A at the top of your um, ambassador notes here is the theme scripture for this series. Paul says this, I am in chains. I think you figured this out. The accommodation Caesar put him up in was a prison, a dungeon. Not very hospitable, is that, Caesar? So here's Paul in a prison, and uh, let's finish the verse. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as, and here's the title of our series, God's Ambassador. Would you say those words to me? Say, God's Ambassador. That's what we're talking about. God wants us to represent him. Last week, we talked about how God wants us to represent him to this world, to these people. That's our primary goal. We're going to see today in this book that he wrote. Paul, you know, from this prison cell, wrote this book of Ephesians. And uh, we're going to see that Paul, that God actually wants us to represent him to another class of beings here. And we're going to notice that in just a minute. But God wants us to be his ambassadors. Look at letter B on your notes there. And from this same book of Ephesians that Paul's writing in this cell, he says this, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. Who's the church, by the way? That's us, right? That's his people. That's Paul while he's in that cell. That's us. That's all of, that's all of God's people. God wants to use his church to display his wisdom. That's an ambassador, to display his wisdom, all right? God wants to use us to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now, that's kind of a head-scratcher, quite honestly. If we follow that phrase through Scripture, the unseen rulers in heavenly places, that always refers to Satan and fallen angels, right? So, really? God wants us to represent him to fallen angels? That's kind of a head-scratcher. That's a little bit odd, and, but I think if you'll follow along with this, that will help you understand a lot about your life because God really does want us to represent him and we're gonna see in a minute exactly why. God wants us to, to use us to, to represent him well and that really is one of our, should be, one of our great goals in life. Well, God wants us to represent him to these fallen angels. We don't know a lot about them, but we just know enough. God tells us enough in the word of God just to, just all the information that we need. We know that there was a creature called Lucifer who was in a high place in the heavenly court. He had a seat at the, at the high court and it just wasn't enough. He had a high position, but it wasn't enough. He says, this is Lucifer speaking in the book of Isaiah. He says, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. So this is the guy who became Satan. He had some high position, but it wasn't enough. And he said, I'm going to be like God. And he wanted to climb, but he wanted, wanted God's glory and God's power. And we, we know the story that God kicked him out, right? So he got kicked out of heaven. And oddly enough now, God wants us to represent him to these fallen angels. He took a third of the heavenly hosts with him and 
Why does God want us to represent him? Well, it's because there is an accusation. This, this, somehow this court position that Lucifer held, even after he fell, he still is able to hold that position. He, he still speaks in that court. If you look under uh, number one there, that uh, verse six under number one, says this, one day the members of the heavenly court, I'm in your notes here, hopefully you're following along. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan, came with them. So here we see Satan doing what he does. He's at the high court of God. And we don't have time to go through the whole thing, but God and him have this discussion. And they're discussing, what are they discussing? They're discussing Job. They're discussing a person. They could be discussing you. They could be discussing me. Do you think God and Satan have ever discussed you? I bet they have. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about you. And Satan lodges this, he's, you know, he's an accuser. This is a court scene, and he's lodging an accusation. Really, the accusation is against God, but it's also against Job. And what is that accusation? You see it there in verse 9. If you're following along, Satan replied to the Lord, yes. Because God was said, you know, that Job was good and righteous and didn't sin and Satan replied, yes, but Job has a good reason to fear God. Here's the bottom line of Satan's accusation. Now, catch this. If you understand this, you'll understand why God wants us to represent him to these fallen creatures. Satan is essentially saying to God, God, anything that you make, anything, anything that you make, if you turn it loose, if you really turn it loose and make it free, it'll do exactly what I did. Anything that you create is, going to, is not going to be satisfied with what you give it. It's never going to be happy until it's in your spot, God. Anything that you create, if you set it free, it's just going to climb. It's going to climb, and it's not going to be satisfied, and it's not going to be enough if you set it free, God. And God, here's the truth. Yeah, Job is serving you. Yeah, Job goes to church. He's a goody two-shoes. Sure he is. But let me tell you why Job's a goody two-shoes. And for this matter... This is the accusation that he has about you. Oh, sure, they're coming to church. Look at them. Oh, got their best clothes on. Sure, they're good. But God, there's only one reason they're good. It's because they've learned that you are a rewarder. They're not good for your benefit. They're good because they've learned they're not the most righteous people on earth. They're the most selfish people on earth. They've just figured it out. It's that simple, God. They're not good for your benefit. They've just figured out that you're a rewarder, you're a blesser, and if they serve you, their life goes well, they could care less about you, God. They're doing the same thing I'm doing. They've just figured out how to climb. They've figured out how to get on top. Job isn't righteous. He's selfish. Wow, that's quite an accusation. If you really think about it, I mean, Satan is one thing. He is smart. He has, and really this accusation is really before God. It's really an accusation of God. Now, it's directed towards Job as well, but it's really an accusation before God. And I want you, would you write this down? Number one there. I want you to write on that first line. Now, write your full proper name, okay? For mine, it would be Brian Glenn Undlin. Spell it all. Spell it correctly. Your full proper name. Write it neatly in that first line, right? Everybody get your pens out. Write that down. Write your name. Because this is the accusation that stands before the throne of God concerning you. There's one, there's an accusation with your name on it. I want you to look at it. So write your name down. Some of you aren't writing. I'll, I'm patient. I'm patient. I got all day. Put your name down. Only serves you for blessings or reward. You could say it either way. Blessings, reward. 
and write that down, write your name, only serves you for reward, and then just look at that. That accusation stands at the throne of God, that you're only good for one reason. Any good thing you do is not because you want to please God. You just, you're just selfish. Now, this is really the ultimate catch-22. It really ultimately, it's, a, it's a, an amazingly intelligent accusation. And why is it so intelligent? Because God is a rewarder. That is so intrinsic within God. In fact, half of the equation of faith, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to God must believe two things. You remember what they are? You have to believe that God is, that he exists, right? And what's the second thing? You have to believe he is and that he is a what? Rewarder. So, so intrinsic within God's nature is being a rewarder. So how does God get out of this? How does he prove that this accusation isn't true? How how do you prove? Look at that accusation. Brian only serves you for blessings. How do I prove that's not true? This is why you need to understand this. And this is why Paul writes about this. And this is why it appears several times in the scripture is because there will be times in your life, and if you don't understand this, that you will be, you'll be clueless because Job didn't understand what was going on because on the heels of this accusation, several things went wrong in Job's life. And Job didn't understand that this was all some spiritual warfare that was going on between God, between God and Satan. And God wanted Job to prove that he was in this for the right reason. God wanted Job to prove that his faith was more than just for a reward. And if you don't realize this, you're going to get your chance to prove that. You're going to get a chance to prove. Is your faith just about reward or is it actually, do you actually love God? Do you actually want to serve him? Well, we see here, this is what Satan's role is at the throne of God. We see his accusation before God. Now, what is his role here on the earth as the accuser? What what is his voice doing in the earth? Would you write this down? Number two. Satan feeds your discontent. Write that word down, discontent. Satan feeds your discontent. Satan is is trying to get you to fulfill his accusation that's at the throne of God. He's trying down, he's down here trying to prove that he's right. Trying to prove that God, they're not gonna be satisfied. They won't be happy with who you've made them and what you've given them and where you put them. They won't be happy Look at the examples when Satan actually shows up clearly, which honestly in scripture, he doesn't show up too many times. We're just supposed to understand his role and just move on with our life, quite honestly. If you're engaging Satan every day, you're reading the wrong Bible, okay? But when he does show up, when he does show up, what is he doing? He shows up in the Garden of Eden and, and he's such a helpful fella. He really is. He brings out his flashlight and he shows you the way up. He's so helpful. He's just showing you the way up. I mean, he knows you're trapped. He comes along and says, excuse me, I couldn't help but notice you're a little bit trapped here. You're like, you know, I am. I am. I'm being cheated. Somebody finally notices. I notice you're a little bit trapped here. Let me show you the way out. Oh, you, the, life could be better. It's better right up there. And we've all listened to Man, every one of us in this room have heard that voice. Every one of us in this room have responded to that voice. Every one of us in this room have felt that discontent. Everybody say discontent. 
You know you're listening to that voice when you're just eaten up with discontent. And wherever you're at, stinks. Wherever you're at, whatever it is, wherever that place is, you're just, oh, I can't be happy here. I've got to be there. So we see him showing up in the Garden of Eden. Here's him speaking to Adam. Under number two, the scripture, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you'll be like God. You see, that's the same thing Satan did. He had this spot. It wasn't enough. He had to climb. So he's doing the same thing to human beings. Just, just shining his flashlight, say, you know, just, just follow your own path here and you, and you can be like God. He's, he shows up. You see the scripture of that in Matthew? He shows up to Jesus. Again, just a helpful fella trying to show Jesus the way up, trying to, trying to make Jesus a good, fair buck. You know, he's just trying to help him out. Next, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you, he said, if you just kneel down and worship me. All this could be yours. Jesus, I happen to notice you're kind of stuck here in a low spot, but look here. Isn't he helpful? Now, Frick gang, we've all heard that voice. We've all heard that, that endeavors to feed our discontent. So what is real spiritual warfare? What, is, what, is, what, are, what are we supposed to do? What is our response supposed to be? How does God want us to be an ambassador? How are we supposed to represent him? Have you found the book of Ephesians? I think Pam asked you to open your Bible to the book of Ephesians, right? Um, if you haven't, uh, what was that page number again? 896, 896, open your Bibles. And, and again, Paul started by giving us, you know, telling us that he wants us to, in, in Ephesians chapter three and verse 10, if you found that verse, God's purpose is to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all these unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now we're gonna follow this thread throughout the rest of the book of Ephesians. Just stop a couple places. It's throughout the whole book. And we're going to see exactly how God wants us to be his ambassador. What is he, how does he want us to represent him? All right, so chapter 3 and verse 10, he very clearly teaches us that he wants us to represent him to these fallen angels. And then chapter 4, go to chapter 4 now in verse 1. And it says this, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Everybody say your calling. I hope you know this, that you have a high calling before God. Everybody has, as a human being, you have a high calling. God has created you and given you a high calling, like Satan was before he fell. He had a high calling. Speaking of a high calling, let me just read you an interesting little tidbit here. Queen Elizabeth had recently visited the United States and reporters delighted in spelling out the logistics involved. Her 4,000 pounds of luggage included two outfits for every occasion, a grieving outfit in case somebody died, 40 pints of plasma. Here's here's my favorite part. White kid leather toilet seat covers. I've never used one of those. Um, (laughs) She brought along her own hairdresser, two valets, and a host of other attendants. A brief visit of royalty to a foreign country can easily cost $20 million. Now, this is what life is like when you have a high calling, right? Aren't you glad we have a high calling? Well, we do. According to Paul, we have the highest calling. Now, let's keep reading. Now, by the way, with a high calling, how should we? What what do you suppose? Don't look look back at your Bible yet. 
But verse 1 of chapter 4, we just read it, says that you have received this high calling. Live up to your high calling, verse 1 said. Somebody take a guess. What do you suppose the very first thing he's going to say? In verse 2, he tells us how to live up to this calling. How do we do it? Be regal, be noble, be stoic, be awesome, be powerful, right? How do we? Look at, everybody look at verse 2. And we're going to see it's the exact opposite path that Satan took. All right, in verse 2, it says this, live a life. Oop, I'm in the wrong, there we go. Always be humble. Everybody say humble. Always be humble. I want you to see this. He's still following this thread of how he wants us to represent him to these fallen beings. See, they were the exact opposite of humble. They had a high calling, and it wasn't enough. They had a high calling. They said, ah, I I want that. He says, no, do exactly the opposite. You have a high calling. Live up to your calling. How? By being humble. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Skip over to chapter 5. Now look at chapter 5. In the first verse, the same thread continues that he wants us to represent him to these fallen creatures. Chapter 5 and verse 1. Imitate God, therefore. Well, isn't that what Satan did? He just wanted to be like God. Well, let's see. How how are we supposed to imitate God? Chapter 5, verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you're his dear children. There it is, that high calling. Now, how do, we, how do we do it? How do we represent him? How do we be his ambassadors? Live a life of love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a, ah, everybody say sacrifice. That's how we represent him. Chapter four, verse one, it's humble. Here it's a sacrifice. Do you see this thread? It's the antithesis of what Satan did. It's, it's exactly the opposite. Yes, you've received a high calling. God made you. And here's the truth. He made you awesome. Yes, there's nothing. It's not false. It's not pride to say God made me awesome. You are. He made you awesome. Now, because you're awesome, he wants you to serve in humility. He wants you to recognize, yes, God made me awesome. He did. You have gifts. Back in chapter 4, he, he, he talks about that he, he's given us all gifts. And what he's saying and what God wants to point to, what God wants to take Satan's ear and grab and, and point to us is when we're taking our gifts and our abilities and we're using it for more than just making money for ourselves and making a life for ourselves and making a name for ourselves, we're using it to serve his people. We're using it to help humanity. We're using it. We're so content, we're content with what he's given us and what he's made us. And we're going to use that to be a blessing and to be a help and to be a sacrifice. And that's exactly what Jesus did, the ultimate son of God who came to this earth to represent him. Jesus did exactly the opposite of what Satan did. Instead of climbing, instead of living in discontent, instead of listening to that voice that says it's not enough, he, he served and he sacrificed. Go to chapter 6 now. Flip over to chapter 6. Same thread. If we had time to read the whole book, you'd see it in almost every verse, how he wants us to represent him. Chapter 6 and verse 9 is the most politically incorrect verse in the entire Bible, by far. And there's some politically incorrect verses in there, by the way. But this is the, 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 the king of them. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. Look at those last words. He has no favorites. 
What is Paul saying? Paul is as clear as can be saying that God puts everybody in positions and wherever you are, he's saying that, that master is not better than servant. But we all know better than that, right? We're smarter than that. We intrinsically know and every human being is born knowing that master is better than servant, right? Don't we know that? We know that up is better than down. We know that whatever position you're in, there's a, the, uh, the position above you is always better, Right? That's exactly what he's talking about here. When when he says that he has no favorites, that is exactly what God's talking about through this entire book. He's trying to wake us up to recognize that wherever God puts you, he wants you to rejoice and how you represent him to these fallen angels who could not be content. How you represent him is you're so satisfied with God's grace wherever he puts you wherever he puts you. Now, what, what, what would give Paul the right to write such a verse about you know, being content even if you're in slavery? I mean, how, how could Paul write such a thing? What, what, sort of, what sort of a spot is Paul in at this moment, by the way? Anybody remember where he's at? He's below a slave. He's in chains right now. And it's from that position that he writes this amazing revelation. What is Paul saying? When he says this, look at that that verse. It's at the top of your notes again. Or or you can just skip down to it. You're looking there in your Bible. Look down at verse 20 of chapter 6 now. Paul says this. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. Paul is saying, Paul is saying, gang, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. God wants me here. God wants me here in these chains. I have a role to fulfill in these chains. Now, we're going to wrap this up with this, but you've got to see this. Satan has one role in your life. He wants you to chafe against your chains. He wants you to feel that disc. Everybody say discontent. He wants you to feel discontent. He wants you to be angry about your chains. And everybody in this room has them. Everybody. Now, maybe you've been walking with God for a long time and and you really are free. But for most of us, we're still upset about something in our life. We still feel trapped. We feel trapped by some circumstance. We feel trapped by our bills. We feel trapped by our life. We feel trapped in a circumstance or a situation. We feel trapped. I've talked to people, they're trapped in Maine. (laughs) I've talked to other people, they're trapped in in their own physical body. They're trapped. And they, when every time they look in the mirror, they're so dissatisfied. They're trapped. Other people are trapped in the wrong job. People trapped in the wrong marriage. I know people are trapped with their kids. My children are, all of my kids have so many needs. They're an anchor. They're a burden. And I'm trapped. Everybody, everybody. Did I say everybody? I'm not sure if I said that yet. I want to make sure I said that. Everybody is tempted because that voice is universal. That, that voice of discontent is universal. And what he's saying here is wherever you're at, master, servant, wherever you find yourself, how you represent God to these fallen angels who enough was never enough for them, this is what God's saying. I want you to represent me right where you are. And how you do that is you get so stinking happy with the grace of God right where you're at. 
you prove to angels who had a lot more than you did and that wasn't enough. You prove to them that God's grace is sufficient right here. Everybody say right here. Right here. Paul is saying, I'm in chains as God's ambassador. I'm proving to these angels that it's good down here. It's good down here. God's grace is sufficient right here. God's grace is sufficient in this dungeon. It's good down here. Everybody say, it's good down here. It's good down here. That's the testimony that God is looking for. That's what he points to. That's what he says. Did you hear that? Did you you hear that? And then he might ask you to repeat it because he wants Satan to hear it. Say it with me. Say, it's good down here. It's good down here. Where's down here? Wherever you feel your chains are, wherever you feel trapped. Now, by the way, did Paul ever get out of prison? He did. He got out this, this time he got out. It was just a few months and he was out of there. But he didn't get out by some ridiculous, you know, spiritual warfare. I have heard spiritual warfare sermons that didn't have a shred of truth in them. They were just absolute nut dumb. Here's what they were teaching, was that if you learn how to fight the devil correctly, you can break your chains and you'll get out. And is that what Paul was doing? Was he trying to break his chains and get out? Actually, what they're teaching is the complete antithesis of what warfare really is. And their teaching actually fed that same discontent. Look at uh, verse 20. We're going to end where we started. And everybody look at the, You can either look in your Bible or look in your notes there. You see that it's letter A. This is the... This is our chief verse for the series. I'm in chains now. By the way, after verse 9, you, you notice that the spiritual warfare section of Ephesians is, is from verse 10 on. If, you, if you're looking there in your Bible, you see it talks about the warfare and the armor of God. Friends, all that armor is is to take God's truth and just rejoice with where, where he's put you. That's what it is. You're fighting to be content. You're fighting to be happy. But look at verse 20. Was Paul fighting to get out? Verse 20 now. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Read that verse one more time and I want you to see this. You've got to see this. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message. I'm, I'm happy right here in these chains. I'm God's ambassador right in these chains. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Notice the last three words of this spiritual warfare section of your Bible. The last three words of spiritual warfare are, as I should. As I should. There's certain, there's places that God puts every one of us and you should be happy right there. Was Paul, was Paul fighting to get out of the chains? Pray for me. Did he, did he say, pray for me that I'll break out? Is that what he said? No, no. He wasn't praying to break out. He knew that God would set him free. He knew that. He knew God had him here for a reason. He knew God would get him out, and God did. He was not fighting to get out. He was fighting for joy. He was fighting. And some of you need to learn to fight the real fight. Fight for joy in that home, in that marriage, in that job, in that life looking in that face in the mirror. That's spiritual warfare. Quit listening to that voice that feeds discontent. Now, all of us are hopefully learning something, but there's some of you in here who are hanging by a thread. 
And that discontent monster has you by the throat. And you're ready to bail. You're ready to bail on a job, on a marriage. Some of you are on the 16th example of you bailing. You've bailed on job after job. You're just always looking for that right thing. You need to find the grace of God. Real spiritual warfare is finding that joy, finding that God's grace is sufficient where I am. It's good here. It's good down here. It's good right here. God's grace is sufficient right here. He's good. And when you get that happy on the inside of you, you know what? Then you can start giving and you can start serving. The last part of your notes there under number four, number four is just this, I should. Would you write down the word should? I should. I should. Remember, this, remember the prayer. Paul just prayed. Pray for me that I will as I should. I should. There's some places where you should be serving. There's some places where you should be content. There's places where you should be giving your life like Christ, sacrificing, serving, and so happy to be there. Paul said, pray for me that I will as I should because we don't always do what we should. We don't always stay happy where we're supposed to stay happy. We don't always stay content where we should stay content. We don't always do that. Pray for me that I will as I should. So what, what, how do you fill in those blanks? What should I? You have to pray that yourself. I'm not gonna, we're not going to take time to fill this out right now. Some of you know some examples right now. But if you'll just pray really quick, you'll get, because God's been trying to talk to you about this for years. What are those I shoulds? What are those places where you should be serving, where you should be giving, where you should be so happy to be laying your life down? What, where are they? In your, in your own life? I just give you some lines there, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping you'll take this and write some down because that's what warfare is. You're going to fight for that, to get that done. Personally, in your marriage, we should well, be one is one example, but there's probably some things that you should be accomplishing as a couple. How about your children? If you have more than two, you're going to have to get some more paper. Um, <laughs> write their names down, and I bet you almost just like that, there'll be some things that come up to your heart and mind that you know. If you've, you've probably known your child for a while, probably, huh? Um, you know some things about them, and you know there's some things that they should be accomplishing in this earth because God's shown you that, and you pray for that. You pray that they'll find joy doing that in the earth rather than chasing that false, that voice that never will leave a human being content, rather than listening to that evil voice, they should. What are, what are those things? Write them down. If you write them down and you see them with your own eyes, you pray, then you pray for them. How about in ministry? The last one. I'm just going to take a minute with this. For, for God in ministry. God has called every last one of us to serve his kingdom. And this is a challenge. Tell you a funny story. Raquel and I took a, uh, a trip to, you, you, many of you know that Bill Hybels is one of my spiritual heroes. And one time we took a trip out to his church, Willow Creek Church out in Chicago, Illinois. It's a church of about 20,000 people. It's basically heaven on earth, right? I mean, abs- complete, total heaven on earth. Everything runs perfectly there. And they have no problems because it's Bill's church, right? Well, we would, took a little tour of the children's ministry. We just showed up. Um, on Sunday morning and went down the stairs of the children's ministry and uh, Raquel introduced herself as a children's pastor. So the children's director for that day, I don't know if his role was the official children's leader of the whole church, but he was the director for that day. 
he so kindly just said, well, just walk with me. So we walked with him as he walked around the children's ministry and, and uh, just kind of took care of some things. And we were just awesome to take this tour, you know, at Mecca, right? We're taking the tour. And we were, well, let me just tell the story. As he's walking, he's got this radio. And, you know, it's like all the different teachers, I guess they have access to radios in their room. And it's a huge campus. So he's getting these messages. Uh, no teacher in such and such a room. Ah, somebody didn't show up. We're hearing this. I mean, like one after another. And Raquel and I on the inside of us are like, yes. (laughs) Yes. It's not just us. (laughs) Misery loves company, you know. We're like, oh, I can't believe this happens at Willow. Now, kind of funny, but ask myself a simple question. Why is it? Why is it that every church on planet Earth, every church on planet Earth struggles to keep people in those roles? Why is that? Could it be that every one of us from the time we're born have been hearing a little voice that's pressing us to get our needs met, pressing us with a little bit of discontent and and we're not quite right yet. And, and, And as soon as I get fixed, I'll be able to help. See, that's that discontent. And if we're listening to that, we have just, just a little discontent and, 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 and I'll, I'll help sooner or later, but, but right now I, I gotta get this taken care of. Friends, that voice will keep you busy till the day you die. Could it be that that's the hardest role to fill because it is the most important role in the church? Could it be that there's more happening downstairs right now than up here? Could it be that those little minds are soaking in a whole lot more than we are? Half of you already checked out. You're like, yeah, probably. Hope so. (laughs) I sure hope so, preacher, because I've been done for a while. (laughs) It's just true. And you think that darkness doesn't know that that's where decisions are really being made? Of course he does. No, I'm not saying it's all Satan, but I'm saying it is that discontent, that, that something that we feel like, well, I've got to get my needs met. I, I've got to. The people who really, truly have figured this out. By the way, did I ever give you number three? More of God. The more you know God, the clearer this all gets equals more selfless service. That is, ultimately is your measuring rod. It's not how much power you have, how much spiritual power you have, how great your prayer life is, how much of the Bible you know. Those are all great things. But the ultimate measuring rod, when you really see what it's for, is are you gonna follow Satan's path of climbing? And there's a thousand varieties of that. Or are you gonna get it and say, all right, I'm saved, I'm in, I'm set. I can help and go down and get under problems and become a a fixer and a solution maker. That's what Jesus did. He got under, there's one reason we worship him for eternity and it's not because he's higher than us. Now we're gonna appreciate that, but you know what you really appreciate Jesus, appreciate about Jesus the most? We would never even know about how high he was above us if he didn't get under us. He got under every one of us, didn't he? He took our sin, he took our junk, he took our crap. 
he took all of it and was punished for it on that cross. Why we really exalt him to the highest is because he went to the lowest. That's what earned him that spot. And gang, that's what God asked for us. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me? Now, the truth is, gang, that it's universal. We all hear that voice of discontent. But I just wonder if there's anybody in here who just, as you just simply examine your own life, you'd have to say, you know, I think I've let that discontent go a little bit too far. I'm not content when I look in the mirror. I'm not content when I look at my life, my home, my car. My, I'm just, I just, I need to wake up. And I need to have a different testimony that God's grace is sufficient right here. If that's you, nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you just raise your hand right there where you're seated? Say, man, that's me. Father, I want to pray in Jesus' name for every hand that is lifted. God, open our eyes to the real truth. Open our eyes to how we really represent you in this earth. Just like the Apostle Paul in chains. God, may we serve you well. May our testimony be that it's good down here. Your grace is sufficient right here. Wherever you put us, it's your grace is sufficient. God, help us to find joy and peace wherever you put us. We want to be your servants. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody says.